Father, thank you for today, and thank you for this weather. Um, thank you that we even have the means to meet outside. Um, some some church groups, they're not able to do this. And so thank you that you've given us a place to meet, and you've given us a big tree to sit under for shade. Um, and thank you, um, Lord, thank you that we, um, that we have the freedom um, to do this, and that um, we don't live in fear, um, but we just are people of uh, love and discipline and wisdom and sound mind. And so uh, we pray for our time here this morning. Uh, we pray that you would speak um, more clearly than I can. Uh, we pray that you would uh, speak louder than um, any of our emotions or any of the circumstances, that you would speak louder um, than any distractions, and I pray that we would have ears to listen, that we'd have ears to hear. Um, and so that's our prayer. Amen. And so we've been talking for months, what does it mean to be a praying church? And we've been going for months through Colossians. And last week, we really kind of, um, and this isn't decided by me, it's kind of decided by the text. We got onto the subject of prayer. Um, last week, we looked in Colossians chapter uh, 4, verses 2. And so last week, if you remember, we just went through uh, chapter 4, verse 2. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too. And that's as far as we got uh, last week. And what we pointed out was when you study uh, the scriptures, the scriptures are very serious about prayer. And if we're honest, and I always want us to at least uh, be honest, we a lot of us kind of stink at prayer. We really do. Uh, we might get maybe a C minus, you know, um, may, you know, we'd get a passing grade. Um, but for a lot of us, it's, there's just these these hindrances and these obstacles uh, to prayer. And what we did was we looked at the scriptures, and I, and I took just a sample. Uh, just a small sample of what the Bible says about prayer. And there were just verse after verse after verse after verse. And some of the verses, if you'll remember, some of them had to do with encouragement, saying things like, hey, God is with you when he prays, or where there's two or more gathered, he is there. Uh, some of them had to do with instruction, uh, saying things like, hey, when you pray, make sure that you are um, praying to the will of God. And some of the uh, verses about prayer had to do with warnings. They were warning passages about prayer. And that's what last week's was. It's chapter 4, verse 2. Look at this. Devote yourselves to prayer. And then look, being watchful and thankful. And we went through and we looked at, uh, I went through and named off verse after verse after verse of these prayer warnings that you don't hear that very often, but they're things that are, that when Jesus spoke about prayer, he would even say, Hey guys, stay alert. He would say, be aware. Or that word that we looked at last week where it said, be watchful. Literally, it means to be on alert or to be vigilant in prayer. And so, so don't, don't miss this. A lot of times the message is, Hey, just pray more. And like, as if we're all going to be like, Oh gosh, thank you. I wasn't sure if I was doing it too much, but uh, the message big time is, Hey, be alert, like be aware, like uh, picture like a soldier, like at the, at the gates of his uh, fortress, like that soldier, what does he do? He is aware. He is looking for dangers. There's certain things that he watches for and he learns over time. He says, Hey, that thing out there, that's not right. And we need to, we need to uh, draw great attention to that. A soldier never just sits back and just kind of just 
well, what do you want to do today? You know, no, they're, they're alert. They're on the watch. And so what we did was we looked at, we want to be watchful and aware of uh, some of the hindrances and obstacles to prayer. And we mentioned several of them, but the two big ones we mentioned was one, and it's kind of what I just talked about, is one, I, I believe, I really do, and you can disagree with me, I believe that most of us don't really understand or believe the spiritual warfare that's happening around us. I think that most of us think that we're in peacetime. Um, and we even uh, mentioned the time that Jesus says, you thought I came to bring peace? He says, no, I came to, to bring a sword. And these are the words of Christ. He says, I've come to turn a, a father against his son, a mother against her daughter. And, and then Jesus says another time, he says to his apostles, don't miss this. Jesus says, hey, guys, if you don't have a sword, you need to sell your jacket and go get a sword because a fight is coming. And so this is one of the biggest realities we need to be focused on, not out of fear, but out of being diligent. And that the reality is that there's spiritual warfare going on. And if we think that peacetime is right now, prayer will never make sense to us right? Um, and these are the words of Jesus. He says, yeah, I've come to bring peace, but not now. You think I meant now? Peace is coming, but not now, right? Um, and we even mentioned, um, golly, imagine the mom, sorry, on Mother's Day. Oh, this is almost mean to do on Mother's Day. Sorry. <laughs> just I just realized this. Imagine the moms that send their 19 and 20-year-old sons across seas to spend the next 12 months in a, in a machine gun nest, do you think they understand the reality of war? Yeah, they do. Do you think that, that they are praying? <laughs> I, I think they are. What's the difference? Is they know that there's a war going on, right? Um, and we're kind of so distanced over here that we could, if we lose sight of that there's a battle going on spiritually, I'm talking spiritually, but as well as physically, then there will never be a need for prayer. And the other one we mentioned, one of the biggest obstacles to prayer was we said, it's uh, the bottom line is just pride. It's this idea that we think that we're still in control, right? It's an illusion of um, control. And as long as I think I'm in control, I don't really need to pray diligently, do I? And I don't really need to be watchful. If I still think I'm in control, and I think as I look around, I think every single person here is old enough to say, one, life has beat the trash out of me at some point, right? And two, I think every single person here, if you can say that you've recognized and you can say, I recognize I'm not in control of anything, like anything. You know, I've got for years, for years, I tried to get a six pound cat to poop in the litter box. For years, we went back and forth. I couldn't control a six-pound cat, right? I couldn't get it to, th listen, and his, 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 we had two cats at the time, and I'd be like, listen, your brother does it fine. It's like, look at Franco, look at, or Fitz, look at Franco. Franco's doing it great. He, see how he goes in the box? Fitz, do like he does, and he wouldn't do it. He was an angry pooer. When he got mad at us, he would poo in uh, Kinsey's closet. I'm not making this up. <laughs> And so point being, I mean, how silly is it? And, and this is the reality is that, man, I can't control anything. And when that illusion of control disappears, so does the hindrances to prayer. Let me say that again, because that was good. You need to write that down. When the illusion 
of control disappears, so do our hindrances to prayer. And again, golly, sorry moms. Again, I didn't mean to do this on Mother's Day. But right now there are moms and dads um, in a pediatric ward of a hospital that, that listen, and I'm not, I'm never, I never try to manipulate and I never try to be over emotional. I'm just being honest. There are moms and dads that right now their kid is sick and the doctor looks at them and says, we don't know what's wrong with your kid. And that they say, we, we don't know what to do. Now here, here's my entire point. Do you think that mom and dad, do you think they feel like they're in control? Nuh-uh. No, but do you think that that mom is dad and dad is walking around going, we just don't know how to pray, right? I'm not being mean. I'm just being honest. Do you think they have difficulty learning how to pray? Mm-mm. Why is that? Because the illusion of control is completely gone. Those people, I guarantee you, that family is on their face. They are on their knees. And when the illusion of control disappears, we no longer find ourselves saying, I just don't have time to pray. We no longer find ourselves saying, I, just, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. Nuh-uh, man. When we realize how utterly hopeless and helpless we are without, the, without God in our lives, we suddenly we learn how to pray. We really do. Um, again, I'm just being honest. I don't mean to mean, be mean. What an encouraging Mother's Day message today, right? And so that's what we said last week. And then I, I, I said this kind of as a warning, kind of a not warning is remember guys when it comes to uh, when it comes to prayer there is an element of discipline okay uh, discipline is not a dirty word i think sometimes we think it is go to first corinthians chapter 15 i meant to look at this last week um, but i just kind of ran out of time i guess first corinthians chapter 15 so matthew mark luke john acts romans first corinthians if you get to second corinthians you've gone too far you probably knew that um, but this is on the topic of there is an element of discipline uh, when it comes to prayer, like just learning how to pray. Like, when do I pray? How do I pray? What, what do I pray? Do I, what do I do with my hands? Like, <laughs> you know the joke? I don't know what to do with my hands. Well, it's okay. We can learn how to do that. Um, and I also wanted to point out that, remember, our mission statement at our church, as, as a family, our mission statement is, it, it kind of has three parts. It says we want to share our lives to make, what's the word? disciples of Jesus Christ and to set captives free. And so we're really about making disciples of Jesus, right? Not church attenders, not people that, that, that say a prayer and then, and then that's it. But I mean, people that are disciples that are following Christ. And all I'm going to do is, is just point this out. The word disciple and the word discipline come from the same word. I hope you've noticed that. The word disciple, when we, when we say part of our heartbeat is we want to make disciples, the, the root word is also the root word for discipline, okay? Now, does that mean we're going to be militant? Um, no, there's so much grace. There's so much grace, but it does mean that, hey, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to studying God's word, when it comes to fasting, all those things, it means, yeah, we, we have a plan and, and we do it and it's okay. It's okay to have a plan. So look at 1 Corinthians 15. I'll show you what I'm talking about. And we'll, we will definitely, this is kind of the whole point of what we're talking about today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, uh, oh, wait, that's not right. Hold on. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, it is. I was on the wrong page. The wind got me. Wind. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse, uh, look at verse 9. So this is Paul talking to the church in Corinth. 
uh, and this is what he says. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Look at this right here. This is underlined in my Bible. His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, but not I, the grace of God that was in me. And so I have that underlined in my Bible, and even next to it I have, re- I have written down, I have this written in my Bible, God's grace, and we need to make sure we get this right, God's grace, it's opposed to earning something, but it's not opposed to an effort, okay? Don't, don't mistake those two. When we talk about God's grace, we're not talking about me earning any, any right standing with God. We're not talking about me earning my justification. We're not talking about earning um, super spirituality. We're not talking about that. But we are talking about that I, there is an effort towards my maturity, towards sanctification, right? Um, and what we even mentioned last week was I have never, ever in my entire life, maybe if you have, please let me know, and I mean that, if, if I have never in my life met a mature uh, man or woman of the Lord that just stumbled into it, right? I have never, ever met a man or woman that is uh, disciplined about prayer, that knows the scriptures, that can speak wisdom. Like, do you have this person in your mind that when they speak, you're just like, where did you get this wisdom, right? And that they just, they know the word of God and that they are walking in peace and they're walking in grace. I have never, ever seen that person that just said, well, one day I just woke up and I was like this. Never seen it. It's it almost, or every single time it has come from years and years of not earning anything but years and years of just being disciplined in prayer and just reading and studying God's word and being disciplined in community um, and being disciplined and in, in, uh, speaking truth to one another, right? If you know that person, please come tell me because I want to meet them. <laughs> like I really do. Maybe you're that person, but it's I've never even heard of it happening that someone just woke up and instantly they were this incredible pillar of faith, you know? Um, And that's what I want to be, by the way. I can't wait until I'm like 80 years old. That's what I look forward to. And so look look back to uh, Colossians chapter 4. This is what we're looking at today, and I'll be kind of quick on it. It's already starting to warm up. I shouldn't have worn jeans. So Colossians chapter 4, again, today we're, we're talking about prayer, and this, this really kind of just sticks with what I just mentioned, um, this idea that, that prayer should lead to something. I mean, even the words of Paul, he says, God's grace was not without effect in my life. Uh, so Colossians chapter 4, we'll pick it up in verse 2 again. I'll read it one more time. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Verse 3, and pray for us too, and, and look what he's praying for. I want to get very specific here. Let's jump in the deep end. That God may open a door for our message, and then what's the next two words? So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. So if we broke down, this is what Paul's closing his letter with. He says, hey guys, he says to this church in Colossae, he says, this is what I want you to pray for us about. 
Pray that God, it's two things, would one, open a door and so that, number two, we can proclaim our message. Do you see that? That God would open the door so that who? We could proclaim this message. So Paul's prayer is one of, and again, we see this all through scripture. We see this with uh, Jesus as well. You remember in Luke chapter 11, we mentioned last week uh, when Jesus spoke on prayer, he says, hey, ask and it will be given to you. And then he says, what? Seek and you will find. And then what's the last one? He says, knock and the door will be opened. And you can see this progression that even as Jesus spoke on prayer, it's exactly the same thing that Paul says. He says, hey, God's grace is not without effect. Part, part of our prayer life is that we, we don't just sit and just pray. And I'm going to have to explain that. So I'm not labeled a heretic or anything. Okay. But there's, there's an element past. We don't just sit and pray. Yeah, we ask, but then what do we do? Sometimes we seek out answers, right? And then, and then sometimes we, we knock and the Lord opens a door. Look at the words of Paul. He says, and pray for us too, that God may what? Open a door for our message. And this is what it means uh, for us when you hear the words, uh, you, sh- you probably hear the phrase like walk in faith. We're going to walk in. F- that's what it means to be a Christian. You hear that all through scripture and that's correct. But remember, there's two parts of that. One is, is we are walking in faith. Okay. I heard a pastor say this and I loved it. We're not sitting in faith. Okay. We don't just sit. Um, and then the same thing, we're not running in faith. We're not frantic. Okay. What we're doing is we're walking in faith. We walk, we take one step at a time, right? The Lord reveals us just the next step. And, and anytime the, door, the Lord opens a door, what do we do? We just say, okay, I can do that. And then this is what it means to walk in faith, right? Is that we can't see the entire path. I, I like this image. Imagine, picture you're in the, the woods or just outside somewhere where there's no light, Okay, have you been there? You got it in your mind? And then picture way off in the distance, way off in the distance, you can see this light, like way down there. Are you with me there? And this isn't a scary image, right? And, and, and imagine, it might be in a forest, but, and you can't, and this is obvious, you can't see the path. Are you with me? But you can see, hey, that's where I'm supposed to go, right? And, and this is what it means to walk in faith. Um, in Psalm 119, verse 105, you know, everybody knows this. Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. This is the way the Lord works as he says, hey, you see that light way, way down there. Do you see it? Does everybody picture it? Y'all picture this? Do y'all have an imagination? Yes. Okay, good. Okay. This next generation, I'm not sure, uh, but you guys are great. So picture this light. This is what the Lord does. He says, hey, do you see down there? Russell, we're going to go there. And I say, great, let's do it. And I say, what's the path? And he says, you don't worry about the path. He says, here's a lamp. And you know how a lamp works? If you've ever held a lamp, how far in front of you can you see when you have a lamp? I can see about five feet in front of me. It's not a spotlight. You know what I mean? Some of you guys, those spotlights, you can see a hundred yards. He says, no, my word is what? It's a lamp. It will illuminate the path right in front of you. It will, it will never lead you over a cliff, right? I'm not, if I have a lamp, I'm not going to walk over a cliff. I'm not going to walk into a snake pit, right? I might walk through difficult terrain, but I'm going to be safe, right? And so God says, this is what it means to walk in faith. He says, we're going there. And I say, what's the path? And he says, you don't worry about the path. 
He says, you just, you just take two steps at a time. And the reality is, if I'm going from here to there, in my mind, the path goes straight there. But if you've been a Christian for longer than 24 hours, you know, when God says we're going there, usually what does it mean? That path has some turns. That path might have some uphill climbs. That path might have some, some downhill, right? There might be storms on the way, right? But the point is, as God says, I'm lighting your path. I will, I will show you just enough of what you need. This is what it means to walk in faith. Remember, guys, we're walking. We don't just stand, and we're not running. We're not frantic. And so look at this again. Uh, what I really wanted to, to point out was that that prayer uh, that he's praying is he says, pray that God would open a door so that we may proclaim uh, the mystery of God. Um, and so I have this um, written down in my notes. It says, prayer is not the end in itself. Okay. Uh, now, there are times when we pray and we can't do a single thing about it. That's true. I'll admit that. There are times when we pray and, and all we can do is just pray. But most of the time, I'm finding what we do is we pray, and what does God do? He opens a door, but we have to step through it. Um, did you go to Joshua chapter 7? We'll look at that real quick. We will get to everything I said. That's awesome. Joshua chapter 7, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. So Joshua chapter 7, I'll give you the context real quick. This is um, right after the Israelites have started... Uh, to enter into the promised land. So Moses and the Ten Commandments, all that just happened. Joshua was Moses's uh, protege. Moses handed off leadership to Joshua. And so now Joshua's in charge. Do you see this? And he has all the Israelites with him. Okay. And they have just crossed the Jordan River. Um, they have just went through Jericho. And then look at chapter 7. Something bad happens, and so as a result, um, Joshua goes to the Lord in prayer. And don't miss our context. Remember that the Lord, when he spoke to the Israelites going into the promised land, what was his promise? He says, I'm always with you. And he said this, he says, the land, guys, it's yours, right? He says, the land is yours, but you have to go and take it. Okay, and so look at Joshua chapter 7. Uh, something bad has just happened to the Israelites. Joshua chapter 7, verse 6. Uh, then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there until evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Ah, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your great name? Verse 10, listen to this, verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up, what are you doing down on your face? 
The is, uh, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. Uh, that is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Verse 13. Go. Consecrate the people, tell them. Consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, to which is devoted amongst you, O Israel, you cannot stand your, and, uh, against your enemies until you remove it. So don't, don't miss this story. I know I read it kind of fast. This is an instance where uh, catastrophe has struck. Joshua is on his face praying, 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 praying. And <laughs> don't miss this. God comes along and he says, get up. He says, why are you still praying? He says, I, I've, I've told you what to do. I've told you what to do. You're to, you're to take this land. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Why? It, like this is, cra- I, this blew my mind when I first started reading this. God says, stop praying. I've given you the answer. Now your job is to look at verse 13. Your job is to go. He says, go consecrate the people and take the land. Why are you still sitting on your face? And so this is why I mentioned a minute ago that prayer sometimes is not the end in itself. You know, we have to ask, seek. It's okay to knock. Um, I'll say it like this, and this is a stupid illustration, but I think it works. I want you to imagine this situation, and you'll have to take it and put it in your own life. Imagine I'm sitting at home in my house with my air conditioner on, that I'm sitting in my recliner, that I can look to the right and I can see the kitchen, I can see the refrigerator, that I know inside the refrigerator there's meats and cheeses um, and there's lettuce and there's mustard. All of this is in my fridge. I'm not bragging, I'm just setting up the thing, okay? Um, I know that in the pantry, it's, it's not a big pantry, but you know what's in there? There's bread and there's chips, okay? Um, now, I want you to picture, I want you to picture me sitting in my recliner. No, I'm on my knees in front of my recliner, and I'm praying. Now, listen to how spiritual I sound. God, I have a hunger in my stomach. But Lord, now listen to this. I don't want to act on anything out of your will. And God, I don't, I don't want to try to earn anything in my life. God, any good thing on earth comes from you. Right? Isn't that right? Right? And you walk in and you see me praying and I'm saying, Lord, and, and I'm so zealous and I say, God, if, if, if it be your will, I am going to eat a sandwich today. If it's not your will, I will go hungry. And you walk in and what do you think? You go, wow, Russell is so spiritual. Oh my gosh. Do you guys see that? Okay. Now, if you're a biblically thinking person, you're thinking, Wow, Russell is an idiot. Why is that? Because God, no, what, what did I set this whole thing up with? What has God provided me with? Everything I need to make a sandwich, right? Is, is this works-based salvation? No, this is God's grace in my life. By God's grace, I have a house. By God's grace, I have all this food. And don't miss this. By God's grace, I have legs that work. 
that I can walk to the kitchen. By God's grace, I have all 10 fingers. By God's grace, I have the knowledge. I know how to make a sandwich. There are some 36-year-old people who have the mental capacity of a fifth grader. I'm not, I'm, I mean it. Like, I'm not trying to be funny. Like, that's the grace of God, that God has graced me with all of these things. But just like the words of Paul, God's grace is not without effect in my life. What he does is he supplies all these things. And what God would do if he walked in in person, he would say, get up. He'd say, get off your knees. Stop complaining to everyone that you're hungry. I've given you everything you need in the kitchen. Just go make a sandwich, man. Just go make a sandwich. Are you following me on this? Right? And so that, that example, I mean, there's so many things in our life that this is, I think, part of my warning is we can sound so spiritual, but actually be, be living a disobedient life. You know, we can be saying all these Christian things of I'm just waiting for God to, to open the door and push me through it. Or the, uh, what's the stupid one? God doesn't close a door unless he opens a window, which is just completely false, by the way. <laughs> we, we've talked at that at length. Right. And so the grace of God in my life, I'm, I pray it's not without effect. The grace of God in our church, we need to pray it's not without effect. You know, we've we've asked the question, what does it mean to be a praying church? Part of the answer is that we're also a going church. OK, what does it mean to be a praying church? Part of the answer is we don't just sit around and just pray. We don't is that when God says, hey, when God opens this door that we say, okay, we're going to go. And that, that we ask and we seek and we knock. And yes, there are sometimes we don't get a clear cut answer, but there's times when we seek out an answer. There's a time when we say, hey, we don't know what this path is from here to there, but we can see the next two steps. Let's take those next two steps. We know what that, we know what, that's what God wants us to do, right? And so let me be really, really, really practical here for a second. I'll use one example and you can take it from there. If, um, if, you, haven't, I, I, if you haven't figured out now that I, I live with, and, and this isn't a Russell Pity party, but I live with uh, like uh, some pretty deep depression and anxiety issues. If you haven't figured that out by now, you haven't been paying attention, okay? If that's a shock to you, you just haven't been listening, okay? Um, and so what this means is this is something that myself and my family have wrestled with for years, okay? Um, and there are times when it's pretty, we go through pretty dark valleys in my, um, uh, just personally, um, and my family knows how to cope with that, and my friends know how to cope with that. Um, but here's the thing. Do you want to know what I've learned, how I cope with it? Number one, what do I do? I pray. Okay, good. You guys know the, that's ob obviously, yeah. Of oh yeah, yeah. Pray. Right. Do I pray about this? Yeah, we pray about this. But let me say this. You know what else I do is I take some medicine. Why is that? Because that's God's grace in my life, right? Is that he, I have found a medicine that works pretty well for me. Okay. Is that me earning anything? No. That's just God saying, here, make a sandwich. Uh, do you know what else I do? Uh, is I'm, I'm starting to eat a lot healthier than I used to. Does that help with your mental game? Yeah. What else? I exercise. And I'm, I'm not doing the exercise anymore of just chest and arms. You know what I mean? Just curls for the girls. You know what I mean? Like where I'm actually doing this thing called like aerobic exercises because I'm becoming an old man. And I've talked about that. I'm starting to work out my core <laughs> more than my arms and chest. You know, in college, it was just chest and arms, right? Don't look at me like y'all didn't do it too, guys. Okay. Um, but that's the point is I'm starting to work out uh, or not starting to, but being more assertive, I work out my heart and my lungs 
right? Is this, is this me earning anything? No, this is God's grace in my life because some men can't work out their heart and lungs. Their legs don't work, right? Um, the other things I do is I'm very, very open with my wife. We have an ongoing dialogue. The other things I do is, is I have been to uh, counselors at different times. Again, this isn't a Russell pity party, so I'll just stop there. Here's, here's the point is yes, I pray, but I also go, right? I, I pray for an answer. I, and guys, I pray for a miracle. I pray for a miracle. Like the, and I don't want to be insensitive, but in, and I've told this to Kinsey, there are days I would rather, I wish, I wish my struggle with, was cancer. I mean that. And if you've, ever, if you've ever walked down that path of, I mean, serious, dark depression, you know what I mean. I pray for a miracle, but I get off my face and I, and I go do these things as well. Okay. And, and I, God does perform miracles. He does. Um, and I pray he does, but he also doesn't sometimes because he gives us what we need. He gives us the exact grace, um, we need. Sorry. I don't, there's stuff coming out of my eyes. I don't know what's going on. This is weird. Salty distards. It's allergies. It's allergies. Um, so this is the last thing I'll say. Dear church, personally and corporately, what does it mean to be a praying church, a praying family, a praying man of God? It means that we are a going church, that we're a going family, that we're a going man of God, that when God says, hey, here, go here, and he says, here's the next two steps, we say, okay, well, okay. I don't, I don't see the path, but um, okay, so... Uh, pray with me. Please pray with me here. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this church, Lord. Thank you uh, Thank you for your grace in our lives. My gosh, like the fact that, that we can do this right here. Um, other parts of the world, we would be in fear for our lives right now. Father, thank you. Um, even just thank you for the weather. Thank you for the birds. Thank you for the uh, for the wind. And um, Lord, I pray that we would be people that are fervent and vigilant about praying and seeking your will. But then when you say go, that we would go. That we wouldn't just sit around and say Christian cliche things. That we wouldn't just just have the same conversation month after month after month, but that we would continually be moving down that path, even when it's just two steps at a time. That's it. When it's just two steps at a time. So give us the faith to walk by faith, uh, that we would walk, Lord, that we wouldn't sit and that we wouldn't run, but that we would walk and we'd be walking with you and we'd find joy and we'd find peace and we'd find comfort. And God, we do Lord, we pray for miracles. We do. We pray for absolute miraculous healing. We really do. But we also know that your grace is sufficient. Um, and so give us uh, just the wisdom to understand that. Um, and Lord, help us to be disciplined. It's not a dirty word. Lord, help us to be disciplined. That we would be disciplined to get up. That we'd be disciplined to go to the kitchen. That we'd be disciplined to make a sandwich. That's not, that's not earning, Lord. That's, that's your grace in our life. And so um, this is our prayer, Lord. Uh, we love you. Amen.